Welcome to the program today on Small Business Horsepower. The Small Business Horsepower podcast is hosted by Podbean, and you can find us also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Tumblr, and a host of other sites, and also at our website, smallbusinesshorsepower.com. I think you're going to be very pleased with today's guest, Brooke Lively. She's got a lot of talk about, and I've heard her on previous podcasts, and she's got a lot of energy. I want to welcome her to the program. Program. Brooke, welcome to the program today on Small Business Horsepower. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. We're happy to have you. Brooke, give us a little bit, give us your background and how you got started in your business and so on. Well, what I really want to tell you first is kind of who I am and the evolution of my business. Then I'll tell you a little bit more about how I got started. But in 2015, I fired my biggest client. He was 94.3% of my business and he wasn't a core value match. And I had to make that incredibly hard decision. And I lost money every month for the next 26 months. So over that time period, I fired an employee. I encouraged a full-time employee to go part-time. I, I kind of panicked every time someone ran my credit card because I wasn't sure if it would go through. I took out, I refinanced my house and took out every penny of equity. I, I maxed out all my credit cards. And when I had maxed out all my credit cards, I got another one and I got it. I applied and I got it a $900 limit and I waited for it to come in the mail and it finally arrived. And I was so embarrassed by what I was about to do that I went to a bank on the other side of town at 11 o'clock at night and took a cash advance for every penny I could get off of that card. And I was at the bank the next morning when it opened And as I slid that stack of $20 bills across the the counter to deposit it so I could make payroll, I wondered if the teller knew that my company was on the brink. And the question was, on the brink of of what? And it was when I was sitting in in my car at 11 o'clock at night that I realized, you know, I'm a fraud. I own a fractional CFO company. I've been running a loss. And I teach my clients how to be profitable. And I wasn't implementing those same things for myself. And so I did. I implemented the the six key numbers and I really started looking at profitability. And by doing that, I got a better idea of what was happening in my business. So now we are consistently hiring. I think we're bringing on three new employees this month. And I don't worry about making payroll. I am completely out of debt. And now instead of worrying if my business is going to make it another month, I'm confident that we're going to keep growing and keep becoming more and more profitable. So I don't know. I just, I like people to know who I am and what I've gone through as a business owner, because I think a lot of times we don't talk about the fact that it's hard and it's embarrassing and and people have these experiences. Yeah, but you have to go through that, right? I mean, we've all been there that have been successful business owners at one point, we had those that moment where we either are going to go the wrong way or we're going to turn things around and go the right direction, correct? Yeah, I'm either going to explode or implode, and, and I don't know which one it is, but I hope it's the explode into profitability. Right, and one of the things I heard you talk about is the concept of treating your own firm like you treat your clients. Can you get into that a little bit and talk about that? Yeah. You know, 
There are, my team and I over the past, you know, seven, 10 years, however long we've been doing this, have developed what we call the six key numbers. And we look at six different parts of your company and every part has a key number that really, if you're monitoring that, you're going to have like really your finger on the pulse of your business. And I was really good at the first one. And, and that's, you know, the first part of your business that's so necessary is cash. We all know cash is king. Cash is like oxygen to your business. I was really good at that cash flow forecast that basically I looked out six to eight weeks and it was perpetually red. <laughs> you were good at the forecast. It was red. Yeah. Yes. And I have to say, we, we have an expression in our company. There are we're a bunch of women. Uh, red belongs on your fingernails, not on your financials. I definitely had the red financials. And, and so I was good at that, but I wasn't really using all the other numbers. And we believe in making data-driven decisions because if you're not using data, you something comes up, you think about it, you make a decision, and then you're eating dinner with your family and you're going, ooh, is that the right thing to do? Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should do this. And then you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you make the decision all over again. And then 10 o'clock the next day, when you're meeting with an employee, you're making that, that decision again. So when you have data, you make it once and move on. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I love these, the six key figures. And one of them is really how much you pay yourself. Can you get into that one? Because we all, like as a small business, we're always investing and we're saying, okay, we don't need this right now for ourselves, but we really do, don't we? Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah, so the second area of, of your business that we look at are ideal ratios. And yes, there are ratios for everything. How much you should be paying your people, your, your overhead, your marketing, but really the one we care about is owner compensation. And let's face it, as an owner, you get compensated numerous ways, right? Right. You get some write-offs or uh, tax savings, or you get to do something you like and call it a business expense or whatever you want to do. Right. And, and we all do that, right? I mean, let's be real. We're all running personal expenses in our business. But you also get salary and you get draws. And, and what we want is for you to be fairly compensated for what you do, for the time, the effort, the energy, and more importantly, the risk that you are taking on in owning this business. Because let's face it, you've put a personal guarantee on that office space. You have a personal guarantee on your line of credit. And if you got idle money, and you got $200,000 or more, there is a personal guarantee on that. So we want you to be compensated. I think yeah, that's, I just thought of that. That's a great point because part of this small business formula today is that everything, every bank loan, everything comes with you signing a personal guarantee. In the old days, that wasn't always the case. You can say, well, oh, this is a business expense. Oh, uh, this is, I separate that from my house. No, it doesn't work that way today. The bank is not going to give a small business a loan unless you put your house on top of it and sign that personal guarantee. Isn't that, and, and you need to be paid for that. Is that correct? 
correct? Absolutely. It's the same with your credit cards. It's the same if you're leasing a car or buying a car in the business. Ultimately, it all comes down to you and your credit rating. And what we have found is that if the business owner is not being compensated, it's almost like, you know, that you go through that really hard part, you know, the part where you're really not making any money and you start racking up debt at home, right? And then all of a sudden the business starts to take money and the owner takes every single penny out because they have to pay down the debt they've racked up at home. They haven't been on vacation in heaven knows how long. It's almost like deferred spending. Right. So if you take your vacation on time, then you don't take a lump sum at the end when you're on a respirator for your business, right? Almost. Yeah. And so if we wait until your business is finally really profitable, and then you take every penny out. The problem is is you starve your business of the cash it needs to grow. So then you end up in another situation where you're not profitable again. Right. And you work with so many attorneys and so on. And you talk about that third thing, which is that work in progress. But I guess that applies to any business. Talk a little bit about that third uh, number there. Yeah. So we talk about production. And whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, you manufacture bicycles, there is a production line in your business somehow. You are either manufacturing an item or a service. And so we look at that. We look at work in progress. It's really easy to see work in progress if you're manufacturing bicycles because you've got half-assembled bicycles all over the place. But for professional services... Work in progress or WIP is work that you've done for a client that you haven't yet billed and been paid for. And this month's WIP is going to be next month's revenue. So it's a great number to look at and see, do I have enough WIP in to cover next month's expenses? And there's nothing better than that moment in the month where you look at your WIP and you realize I've covered my nut for next month and everything else that comes in is cash profit in my pocket. That is so true. Let's get to the next one, which Brooke, I hate this word. And that's why I'm going to have you rephrase it. Budgets. You know, we all have to look at the budgets, but like a small business owner, especially like you want to go out and sell or you want to go out and uh, work and get a vendor. You want to do a lot of things, but you don't want to look at that budget, but you have to. Let's go into that. Yeah, budgets suck. Let's let's be really frank about it. Budgets suck. All they do is tell you what you can't do. And, and right. we're, we're entrepreneurs. We're all about the possibility, not the prohibition. So we like to talk about, and with our clients, we have profit plans. And a profit plan is nothing more than how you are going to make and spend your money next year to create profit for your business and yourself. Right. So that's like you turn the word budget and you turn it around and you say it's a profit plan. Now it sounds so much different, but it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? At the end. It is. But it's, it's really changing our attitude around it and making it something positive, making it something that's not so restrictive because it's good to have a plan. What was it? Uh, Was it Winston Churchill that said failure to plan is planning to fail? So let's plan to have some profit. Yeah, and I, I think looking at it, I mean, looking at the way I built my own business, I think a lot of small business people spend a lot less time on that than they should, right? But then 
that leads to loss in profitability as well. And that's what we're here for at the end, in a sense, right? Yeah. Then you kind of go with the hope and pray method and, you know, hoping and praying doesn't necessarily bring a lot to your bottom line. So what we like to do is, is we create a a profit plan for our clients and then we want to see if we're on track or off track. And as much as I have been preaching about profit plans for the past few years, I have not convinced into it the makers of QuickBooks to change their verbiage. So they have a report still called the budget versus actual, but taking that report and saying, am I ahead? Am I behind? Where am I ahead? And why am I ahead? So I can make sure that I keep doing that great activity. And where am I behind or where was I over? Where was I under in a bad way? And let's go down and find the root cause of that. That's a great point. All right, let's get into marketing and sales, your next one. Talk a little bit about that. Gosh, you know, marketing and sales has so many different numbers that you can look at. I mean, you can talk about your conversion cycle or conversion rates, or you can look at everything by referral source. But really what I care about, how many sales calls do you have booked? Because today's sales call is next month's new client. Every sales call, it tells you how much business is going to come into your company. And that's what we're all here to do, right? Yeah, we are. And by the way, you're listening to Brooke Lively today on Small Business Horsepower Podcast. We're so happy to have her. And let's go through this last one, This uh, you're in the KPI uh, part of things. Yeah, so every client puts pressure on your company and on your team. The question is how much and how much pressure can your can your team handle? So when we look at engagement-based KPIs, we want to look at net new engagements. So most companies, well, if you're selling bicycles, you sell the bicycle and it's done. But most professional services companies, whether, you know, if you're a marketing agency or a PR firm, you don't usually have like a quick one-day interaction with a client. It tends to spread over multiple months. So what I want to know is what are your net new engagements? So people that signed on versus people whose projects are completed, because that tells you how much capacity you have in your firm. If you can handle 30 clients at a time and you're getting net new engagements every month of 10, assuming you started at zero, you're going to be maxed out in three months. You need to start hiring. Now, the flip side is if your net new engagements are negative 10, if we're closing 10 projects a month and we're only opening eight and net new of negative two, you're going to start seeing a lot more capacity open up in your business. And eventually you're going to have to start laying people off. So you want to look at that because that tells you where you are on your hiring months away from when you have to make a decision. Yeah, it's a great point, right? Small businesses, what do we say? It's like off the seat of your pants or so you really don't get to all this until it's probably too late. Is that correct? Right. And I mean, how many of us have worked to the point where everyone on our team is overloaded and stressed out and you go hire someone and, you know, all you want to basically do is, you know, can you fog a mirror? Great. You're hired. And we don't want to make desperation hires. We don't want to hire someone just because they have a heartbeat and, you know, can fog a mirror. 
We want people who are going to be a great core value match for your company, who have the right skill set to help take you guys to the next level, can really provide a fabulous product or service for your client. And the only way we find those people is by starting ahead and not waiting until the last moment. Because when you're desperate, you probably won't understand this not being a girl, but when parties come around and you open up the closet and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to wear. And you run out and you buy a dress at the last minute. It's always what my mother calls a desperation dress, a desperation dress, because you wear it to that party. And then really it was the only thing you can find. You don't like it that much. So it sits in the back of the closet. That's not the type of employee we want, right? We want like someone that you love that has a great skill set and it takes time to find those people. And when you're in a pinch, you don't make great decisions. You end up hiring a desperation dress. Yeah. And the other thing I was just listening to you, I was just thinking about is also, even if you hire the right person, if your team is so overstressed, it would be even hard to incorporate even the right person or give them the training to mold them into your firm. Is that correct? Gosh, that's a fabulous point. Absolutely. Because at that point, you're just throwing them in the deep end and saying sink or swim. Right. Absolutely. And that brings us to your book there. Go a little bit into that, Panic to Profit. Yeah. So um, I wrote a book. It's called From Panic to Profit, How Six Key Numbers Can Make a Six-Figure Difference in Your Business. And like I said, we've developed these numbers over years and we use them with our clients. And they're also what I used to get out of my 26-month losing streak. And so we know it works. We know it worked for us. We know it works for our clients. And I think that so many entrepreneurs start a business because they have a passion for a product or a service. And all of a sudden, this whole business part of it comes into play and the numbers and the finance. And I think so many people feel intimidated by it and scared and they don't want to admit it. So now they're scared and isolated. And so I really wrote this book to help people understand it. Simple terms, nothing fancy, no big words that you have to go Google on Investopedia. Just basic, here's what it is. Is uh Numbers Every Entrepreneur Should Know, the same book crafted for a different audience, or is that different? Yeah. So we can't get Amazon to take that off. We would like Amazon to not admit that that book exists anymore. From Panic to Profit really covers the six key numbers you need to know. There you go. And I see you also, tell me a little bit about Cathedral Capital and... Also, you do speaking engagements, correct? I do. In fact, I'm speaking in New Orleans this weekend. I'm very excited. So Cathedral Capital, we are a group of fractional financial people. So we have everyone from bookkeepers to accountants to controllers to CFOs, analysts, everyone that you need to round out your financial team to help make you more profitable. And that's what we love to do. Yeah. Profitability. I mean, again, as the time goes in the podcast, I'm thinking about it and saying it's something like when you're building a business, at least I know as a small business, you're so involved in all these aspects such as sales, vendor development, putting an ad in a magazine, whatever you're doing or on internet, but that profitability 
component is one that is not always in the front of your mind and it really has to be right from the beginning, correct? It really does. And it's people really don't want to always look at their financials because they're afraid of what they're going to say. They generally aren't as bad as you think they're going to be. But it's so much better to look at it and to know and to keep that in mind and to make decisions that move you forward. Explain that a little bit. Are you saying that they're not as bad as people thought it was going to be for the most part? Yeah. In general, I have clients that, you know, like when I slid the stack of $20 bills to the to the teller and I'm like, Oh, we have clients that metaphorically like slide their financials across the table and they're like, oh, it's going to be really bad. And really, it's not usually as bad as they think it is. And it's usually not as hard to fix as they think it might be. Yeah, that may be another key point that you think it's bad, but out of the six key components there in Panic to Profit, maybe four of them are fine and it's maybe two that need tweaking, correct? Right. And there's a great expression, little hinges swing big doors. So sometimes it's just making those small tweaks, those little changes that will have a huge effect. So I happened to be talking to a law firm this morning and they have someone who does nothing but collect money. They have an AR person. And I know that I could spend half an hour with them and rework their fee agreement, the contract that they have with their clients. And basically we would be able to eliminate that person in their job because we can do it a better way. And, you know, we've seen hundreds of law firms. We've seen hundreds of businesses and we can pull from one, from our experience in one place and put that piece of information or that skill set in another industry, and it makes a huge difference. I'm just curious about that. Can you explain that a little more? Like, uh, just in general, how could we eliminate that AR person for our small business listeners and put that resource somewhere else and still collect money on time? So you should have a contract with your clients. I don't care what you do. There should be a contract that controls your relationship. And as long as you're having a contract signed, you might as well make it favorable to you in a number of ways. And the one we like is AR. So if you're a service-based business, we want you to get a chunk upfront, basically the first three months of your engagement. And then you bill against that retainer. And when it's time to refill that retainer, They've signed a credit card agreement, so we automatically charge their card and refill that. So you always have about three months of what you think it's going to cost to work on, on their project. And when you do that, it makes it so much easier. And especially these days, there's a lot of software that will actually um, integrate with your payment processing company and will initiate those charges. That's great. Let me challenge you on a product-based company because that's a little bit more difficult, right? Because a product-based company, the product leaves the door. Now you don't have as much control and you're waiting for that payment to come in. Yes. And the fact of the matter is, well, all right, let me tell you a story about my best friend. So she lives in Pennsylvania. I'd gone up to visit her. We'd gone out to dinner. It was a Sunday night. We come back and we're sitting at her kitchen table and she gets up and she goes and she opens this drawer which she can barely get open and pulls out this stack of mail. And I'm like, Martha, what is that? She's like, oh, it's about six weeks worth of mail. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, have you paid your bills? She's like, 
all the stuff is recurring is on auto pay. She's like, the only thing in here is like one-off bills. Like, what are you talking about? So she goes through, she opens them up. Most of it's junk mail and goes in the trash can, but she has a pile left. I'm like, what's the pile? And she's like, those are one-off bills that need to be paid. I'm like, okay. And she says, okay, I'm tired. I'm done for the night. And puts that stack back in the drawer. Like, Martha, you going to deal with that? You going to pay those bills? She's like, I'll pay them another night. I've done enough today. This is what is happening to your bills. And before you say, oh, I work with businesses, it's the same thing just slightly different. They're going to open the bills on time. They're going to do the first check run of the month. And I don't care what your terms are. They don't think they have to pay you before the end of the month. So you're not going to make that first check run. So then they go to the second check run and they add up who they owe and they look at how much cash they have. And then they prioritize. And you may not be very high on that priority list. So you may not get paid. So you get shoved back in the drawer. Credit cards, people get an authorization to charge their credit card. Get an authorization to do a bank draft. Take payment timing out of the client's hands because given the option, they're going to stick your bill back in the drawer. So in that contract, whatever it is, make sure that automatic payment is triggered on your timing, not theirs. Brooke, that is what it's all about. That. So true. And the other thing is, we are so pleased that you came on our show today as we run out of time on Small Business Horsepower's podcast. Brooke, thanks for coming on the program. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you can come back and talk a little bit more about this in the future. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, one more thing. Uh, how about your, you want to tell us a little bit where they can find your book, your website, and so on? Sure. Um, my book is available on Amazon. It was an international bestseller. Thank you very much. So it's called From Panic to Profit. And then our website is cathcap.com, C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. And you can find us there. You can actually link to Amazon to get the book. It's a great resource. We've got a bunch of videos and things. So you can actually, the things I talk about today, I talk about in more detail. Thank you, Brooke. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you again on Small Business Horsepower. Thanks, Mahul. It's been great. 